1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to begin reading at verse 19 through to 28 this morning. Verse 19. Hannah and her family, so they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. And they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Verse 21. The next year Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah didn't go. She said to her husband, Wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle, and I'll leave him there with the Lord permanently. Verse 23, and Elkanah said, Whatever you think is best, stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. And so she stayed at home, and she nursed the boy until he was weaned. And when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. And after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Verse 26 then. And Hannah spoke to Eli, the high priest, and says, Sir, do you remember me? For I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. And I asked him to give me this boy. And sure, he has granted my request. And now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And I love the last verse. And they worshipped the Lord there. Amen. Here we see Hannah has received a new song for a new season. You remember this last few weeks, Hannah found herself in a place of great despair. She found herself not able to pray. She found herself not able to sing. She found herself broken in life. And that could be you this morning. You're in that place. But listen, there's, there's, there's always a new season. And with that new season, God promises to give His church, His people, a new song to bring them through. And what we learn here from Hannah's story is that Hannah has now conceived and given birth to Samuel, God has given her the desires of her heart. Elkanah and his family, they're now preparing to go to their annual trip in Shiloh. And that's there where they sacrifice unto the Lord. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And you remember, this is the very place that just over a year or two ago, Hannah sat before the Lord, broken. It's the place where, as she sat, tears flowed. It's the place where her prayers had no words. It was here that, that Hannah got a, an unction from the Lord to, to rise up to seek Him and then to continue pursuing her calling. And maybe that's for somebody this morning, that God's speaking to you, and, and you've, you've stopped pursuing your calling. You've stopped walking in them paths, and, and that's what God is saying to Hannah. In them moments of despair, when, when there's hopelessness around, you see, when there's no song left in your life, and that's where Hannah was. But in that moment, as she worshipped and sought God, it come upon her to, to rise up and to pursue her call. And I pray that's for you this morning. For some of you here this morning, you need to hear that. And I pray you receive that and you rise up and you continue to go on and to pursue your calling and all that God has for you. But it was at this very place that, that God gave Hannah an assurance. What was that assurance? That in her storm, He was with her. Even though nothing would have changed in her life, everything was about to change. Do you remember? There was a new season coming for Hannah. And listen, if we looked at Hannah, there was nothing, had absolutely nothing had changed. But something had changed within her, and she rose up. She, she got a hunger for the things of God again. And she, she trusted God, and God gave her 
the desires of our hearts. So where we are today then is a few years have passed since then. And Hannah's family again are preparing to set off to, to, to Shiloh. And we're told, if you look in verse 22, that, that Hannah, in that moment, decided to stay at home. Um, within her, she, she wanted to wait till Samuel was weaned before she would take him again once more to the tabernacle. Because this would be the last time, you see, she would bring him to the tabernacle. But he was going to go there and stay there for the rest of his life. Think of that now. This is what we talked about giving back unto the Lord of our, of our life, of our fruits. This is what Hannah, she gave of her son unto the Lord and the work of the Lord. And, and Hannah knew that the next time she's going to be going here, that she's going to be giving her boy over to the work of the Lord. But listen, this was a new season for Hannah, but remember there was, there was a, a new song in all of this. It doesn't make sense. She was rejoicing. The whole family was worshiping and thanking God. And she wanted to wait. And this, this shows us that, that Hannah was a committed woman of God. Don't, miss, don't look for the big stuff and, meet, and, and miss the wee things. Because it's the wee things that, that bring us on in the things of God. Hannah was a committed believer. We know that Hannah made a vow unto the Lord regarding her son, her only son. And what I see is that Hannah proved to be faithful and a woman of her word. How easy would it have been to say, no, I didn't really mean that. Wouldn't it? God, if, if you give me this, God, I will do this. And then, then God gives it to us and we go, oh, but no, it's too costly. Or, or we, we, we turn a blind eye to our vows and we say, but your God, you know my heart, I didn't really mean it. Hannah wasn't like this. She, she proved to be a woman of integrity, a woman of her word. And that's what I, I want to just say to you this morning, if you're taking notes. Just, I'm going to throw out different wee title heads just to help you. Be a person of your word. There's one thought that came to me as I read this. Christian, we've all done it, and let us learn from our past. Don't say one thing and, and let us do another. Because I, I safe to say, I'm sure many of us, I don't want to say we've all done it in case I get the handbag on the way out, but I'm pretty sure most of us have said this, done this. We've said one thing and we've done another. Let us as a people of God learn from Hannah and stand over our promises if we, if we choose to make them. And do you remember as we looked at the vows to be careful about the vows that we make? We don't need to make vows. In fact, the Bible teaches the opposite. It says, let your yes be yes and your no be, be no. Come on, church, we're going to do that again. Let your yes be yes. And your no be? No. Amen. You're allowed to speak back as long as it's good and wholesome and encouraging. Let us stand over our promises if we've made them. Now, Hannah proved to be a woman who was trustworthy, a woman if she told you something, you could take her at her word. She kept her promises now, and she honored her commitments to the Lord's work. Now, a mature Christian, now I'm saying mature Christian because we don't get there overnight. I, I, I would like to think I'm in the, in the mature category. I'm sure you would like to think that too as I'm standing here. But I do recall the years when I was an immature Christian. In fact, I could go further back when I was a carnal Christian. And some of you are at that stage, are a wee bit carnal still, are you? Are a wee bit immature still, are Some of you have peaked and are shining and are a good example to us. We're all on a different journey. But, but a mature Christian, this is what we, what we look for in, our, in ourselves, is trustworthy. A mature Christian isn't a doormat, but they hold a good report. If we have to correct somebody in the world because they're wrong, it doesn't mean we're a bad Christian. It means we're, we're honorable. Don't be afraid to stand for truth and correct somebody, but we've, we've got a good report with our neighbors. Our neighbors don't dread to see us coming, but
But they do know if they speak against or say something against us, we'll speak back. I think that's okay. But they're to be taken at their word. A mature Christian is somebody that you know that can be trusted at their word. Now, this is honorable not just only before man, but before God. Now, Proverbs 25, verse 14 says this. People who promise things that they never give, they're like great clouds and wind that bring no rain. It's interesting. This type of person, I can't really think of this type of person, but I'm pretty sure if I haven't met him, I probably was him years ago. This type of person talks a lot about what he's going to do for Jesus, but does perhaps very little. You understand? They commit themselves to various things and don't, just don't turn up. That's the type of Christian that this is referring to. They're a great big cloud of, and if you were a farmer and you were waiting for the, the, the rains to come, when you, you've seen this great big cloud come, and you'd be saying to yourself, thank God, here it comes, the harvest is going to be good the year, and, and the cloud just goes on. There's no rain comes. And that's the sort of believer it's referring to. It's somebody that, who, who, who they come into the room and they're, they're going to do great things. And everybody's waiting in anticipation, even, even relying on that person. They just don't turn up. That's what we see here. They make promises, but they don't keep their promises. Hannah wasn't that sort of woman. That's the point. These sort of people I often refer to as ocean-wide and puddle-deep. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. It describes a person that, at first glance, they, they look so, so broad in the things of God. And then you go like that, and it, it's, it's, you hurt, if you dive in, you'll break your neck, type of thing. They're just puddle-deep. But Hannah, as I considered this woman of God, she was ocean-wide, and she was ocean-deep. She was a committed believer, even when the very nation that she lived in was backslidden in an apostate state, she rose up and she sought the Lord and she stood by her word. She trusted the God that we worship this morning, church, and he strengthened her hand. He strengthened her hand. Don't look to man to strengthen you to help you this morning. We're looking in all the wrong places when we do that. We need to look to the Lord. What God did for Hannah, he will do for you, and he can do for I. Second Thessalonians 3 says this, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. The Lord is the one. Amen? So be a person of your word. The next we thought is, let the word of God establish your faith. Hannah wanted to stay at home and wean the young boy. And in verse 20, 22, or 23, sorry, now I want you to see this. I want you to notice these, the, the change here in Elkanah. Elkanah agreed. And look, I want to know what he said to her. Hannah say, or Elkanah says to Hannah, stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. But the New King James Version says it better. I feel it just grasps it better. It says this, only let the Lord establish his word. See the difference? What a change we see in the life of Elkanah. He's now walking according to the word of the Lord. His faith has been revived in the sovereignty of God. And his home is now under the headship of Christ, if you like. See, see, over the years, this can happen to you and me. Elkanah's God becomes small and weak. That can happen, can't it? He can be, he can be a God that we know he's all-powerful, but in our eyes and our experience, it just doesn't seem to be that to us. And that's, what, that's, that's, what, that's where Elkanah got himself to, is God become small and weak. And here we see that that's all changed for Elkanah. It's as if he's got a fresh understanding of who this God is that he serves because he's seen God move through his wife. And he too has received a new song for this new season. 
He sees God again for who he is, and he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's able to bring life out of death. He's able to take your, your, your sadness this morning and bring joy from it. He's able to take your, your hopelessness within you and, and bring, bring hope to your life. That, that's what he's done in this home. And Elkanah, like Hannah, ha, had an encounter with the living God. And, and listen, perhaps some of us need a, a fresh encounter this morning with the resurrected Christ. Amen? A fresh encounter that he just touches us. And now I see that they're both on fire with the Lord and they're walking according to his word. Now, Elkanah no longer did what was right in his own eyes because that was just the norm of his, of his time. But he said to his, his wife Hannah, but only let the Lord's establish his word over us. And, and, and what we see in Elkanah's life is this shift that because he's had an encounter with God, what's changed? He's now doing what's right in the eyes of God. He doesn't care about the world anymore. His life isn't living like everybody else is living. You see that? He's now living according to the Word of God, and he's, he's walking in a way that he stands out from the crowd, and he makes a difference, because the favor of God's upon his life. And, and church, maybe we just need to have that in our life this morning, that, that we've maybe let loose things into our life or into our thinking. And it's not about becoming a legalistic sledgehammer type of person. It's about just walking according to the Lord as the Lord leads you in according to His Word. And that's what happened. He, 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 he established the Word in his life. And there, what happened was he began to do what was right in the eyes of God. So be a person of your word. Let the word of God establish your faith. And you too will do what's right in his eyes. Then the next one is a wee small thought, but it's a lovely thought. And the thought is this, that you're known by God. Write that down. You're known by God. It would surprise you. Maybe it wouldn't surprise you to know that one of the greatest um, ailments of our society today is loneliness. Loneliness is one of the biggest problems that we're facing in society, how is that even possible? But it is, and I believe media has probably attributed a lot to that. Do you know what I thought when I, when I, I looked at the Barna Group for statistics, that's where I get this information in case you're wondering, haven't time to go into it all, but I remember not that long ago when I was, because I'm still youngish, but I, do you remember the times, I don't know if you do or who doesn't here, when your friends come to your front door to call for you? Put your hand up if you remember that time when people used to come and call your door. Isn't it shocking that there's not as many as there should be? What do you get now, folks? A text message. If you're really lucky, you get a phone call, but very few people. There's a couple of wee lassies laughing at me because they know what I'm talking about. And you ring these people and not answer, and you text them and they'll text it back. And, and I, this is not a condemn, and this is a reality check. You can have a million people text you in a year, but you will be a lonely person. You get one friend that calls your house to see how you are. You'll feel loved and worth. Don't be deceived by today's communication. It's a load of old cheap stuff. And I remember getting a written letter from a man who was coming to do a ministry here not that long ago, and I was absolutely gobsmacked um, at the man writing this letter and it personally addressed and, and the affirming words that he wrote. It, was, it touched my heart. And you know, it's not by chance today that this world is feeling that not, they're not known just not only by God, but by the people around them. It's, it's satanic in its very core. But you need to know this morning, whether you're saved or not, too, you're known by God. The Bible teaches us that. And in verse 24, Hannah gave Samuel into the hands of the high priest Eli. She took him to the tabernacle. And after sacrificing, she says to Eli in verse 26, look at it, sir, do you remember me? 
Sir, do you remember me? Because that's the reality of life. Wasn't even sure if this man would know who she is. Because that's what she was used to. In a sinful world, that's what you get used to. You feel that you've, you're not known. But you're known this morning, church. Don't need to go into that in great detail, but the word says you're known. And we don't know for sure if Eli remembered Hannah, but it doesn't appear that, that he does. But she begins to tell him who she is and what she's done. And, and what we do know for sure is that the Lord remembered Hannah because we're told that in the very scriptures that we've read, that the Lord remembered her. And the scripture teaches us that he knows each of us by name, not just by face or not just by reputation, but he knows you this morning by name. In fact, the scriptures goes deeper than that and says every tear you've ever shed, every tear that ever has left your eye, the Bible says that God caught the tear and has stored that on a bottle. That's something, isn't it? No matter how good a mother you are, you've never done that. It's never been done, or maybe it has. It's possible maybe somebody's done once. It doesn't happen all the time. The Lord doesn't forget people like we forget. It doesn't matter if you're the high priest or who you are. You're a man, you're a woman, but God knows all about you today, and that's not in a condemning way. That's in a loving way. He sees your present position as he's seen Hannah's and his hand is with you. God remembered Hannah, and he remembers you today. You're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you ever opened your eyes, he knew you. Before he even knit you together in your mother's womb, he knew you. And his plans for you are still present today. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You're known by God. The next we thought is invite him. There's an invite to everybody to come home from God. To home. There's an invite to everybody to come home to the Father. An invite to come home whether you're saved this morning or you're, you're in the faith but you're not in the work. And Hannah says to Eli, I am the very woman who stood here several years ago. And I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he granted it. Now I'm giving him on to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. Now here we see something interesting. He gives Hannah, or Hannah gives back on to the Lord for the good of the kingdom. Now what a picture we are being told here, we could miss it. Hannah has within her a new song. There's an eternal song to worship God. And just as Hannah, and I want you to see this, please stay with me, I know you're good this morning, I know there's a lot of detail. Just as Hannah gave her only son unto the kingdom of God, God also gave his only son unto the world. There's a parallel in, going on with Hannah here. Christ came to die upon that cross for your sin. Christ rose again that third day for our sin, doing away with, with death's sting. And making a way for you and I to come home, to be saved, to have eternal life with the Father in Christ. Now listen, if you're not saved today, listen, you can be saved today. I want to tell that to you. You, like Hannah, can experience new life, a new joy, a new song in your life, in your soul. You just need to trust the Lord Jesus and be saved. And to be saved means to be born again of the Spirit of God. You don't strive to live for God. He puts the Spirit within you and you start living for God. That's what it is to be born Again, I want you to notice that Hannah gives Samuel to the Lord that Israel could be saved from the great evils within her. Now, there's a parallel. What is it? Well, God give his son to the world that you could be saved from the great evils within you this morning. Don't forget the great evils within us that we're saved from. This is how we worship God. We are, we are not sinners because we sin. 
We sin because we're simply sinners. We can't help but sin. We're sinners. And that means we all need saved from our sin because we're all sinners. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ came to seek to save sinners. Amen, church? Thank God. So regardless of your past, now, and that's the principle I want to press to you, saved or unsaved this morning, regardless of your past, you can both be saved today and you can both be back in the faith today and live for God and come home to God. So I want to leave that with you this morning. Wherever you are with God, whether you're saved or not saved, perhaps that's a word for you. Come home to the Father. And the next one we thought is this. Only a couple left and we're finished. I've kept it short this morning intentionally. The next we thought is this, if you're taking notes, is train up the children in your life in the things of God. The children in your life now. Not just your children, your grandchildren, the children in your life. We each have responsibility. When Hannah handed Samuel over to Eli, there, there's much debate. Nobody really knows, but anywhere from, he was aged between anywhere between three and six. Some say seven, so let's broaden it. Between three and seven, let's not fight. But that's what they're sort of talking about, regardless that's young, isn't it? So what I see here is that Samuel began his training as a young priest, uh, as a priest, sorry, at a young age. And there's something in that. Proverbs 22 and 6 says what, church? We all know it. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We are reminded that how important it is that we teach our children and the children in our life the things of God as little children, as little children. Story time, in my experience as a father, is, is desired from toddlers. Slightly different from teenagers, but definitely from toddlers. There's a desire for that. And it's a great opportunity, listen, to just simply teach the Word of God read the Bible story. I know I'm speaking to people that are seasoned, but I'm speaking to those who perhaps just don't know that or are not just familiar or just need reminded, okay? It's not, I'm not patronizing this morning. I'm, I'm trying to just give direction and light on things. That's what it simply means to teach our children is to, to tell them about Jesus and the love of God. Don't tell them don'ts, 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 because look what happened to Adam and Eve and they're told don't. Teach them the grace of God and the love of God and the Word of God. Amen? Teach them these things. The minute you say don't, is the minute there's a big temptation for do. Don't feed them from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Feed them from the tree of life. Does that make sense? Cover them with the grace of God because I need it. Because we're sin abound, church. Grace abounds all the more. Amen. Some of you need to hear that today. Sin has had its way with you. Where sin abounds, His grace abounds all the more. We're free. And we're free indeed because of His grace. Make sure as we teach our kids, this is a nature that they're going to wrestle with. But this is a glorious Christ that came to give us life, that we could eat and live off that tree of life, not of knowledge of good and evil. So listen, teach our children at a young age to serve the Lord. And when they're older, regardless of what path they go on, it will stay with them, it says. For me, it was against an old pub wall as I shrank down broken, that I could remind and recite in my mind the need to call out upon the Lord. You see, life and sin will take some of you in a place that you never expected to be, and perhaps you'll never know how to rise up. But it's in them moments, perhaps, the, the words that your mother or your, or, or your, your father or your, your auntie or, or whoever that spoke into your life will come. It'll be the very seed that'll rise up and cause you to follow the Lord. Amen? So we'll move on, we'll move on with that. So the last one is this. The last one is a service, service and worship 
go hand in hand. I just want to bring this out because I think we need to. Later on in the book of Samuel, around about chapter 12, we're going to see that God offers an abundance of mercy and grace to a people that are completely backslidden. These people once lived for the glory of God. They allowed themselves to be caught up with all sorts of things that aren't fitting and for God's people. And perhaps that's you today. And, and, and there's, a, there's a word in this for somebody. That your soul belongs to the Lord, you're fully saved, but for some reason you've allowed things into your life and, and you're, you're, you're just not where you were. You're perhaps in the faith, but you're not really in the faith, if that makes sense. You become entangled. I want to help you with that. Because the same word that I, that I felt to bring a few weeks ago, I'm going to bring it again, that there's this word within me pushing, and it's, it's this word to arise again, you see. And some of you are sitting there going, well, that, what does that mean? But I promise you, for the child of God who's backslidden this morning, that means something. You need to arise again and follow the Lord. Forget your past. You need to rise. Your sin can be repented of. Why? Because the Scripture says, though your sins be as scarlet. Church, finish it off. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. That's our past can be white as snow. Israel did great evils. Each man did what they saw fit, but there was a prophet in town. God was moving in Israel. And men and women who, who lived in sin, listen, what you'd say is for many years, they began to repent and ask Samuel for help. And listen to what Samuel says to them. It's 1 Samuel 12, 20 for reference. And, and Samuel speaks to this black, backslidden people of God, and he says, you don't need to fear anymore. He says, you've committed all this great evil, but yet don't turn aside from following your Lord, but serve Him with all your heart. There's no condemnation in that. And what Samuel is saying here applies to each of us. In spite of your past, press on and follow the future. is not something. What a word to the church. Despite your past, yesterday's mistakes are gone. They're white as snow. They're white. They're gone. Ah, oh, but they're, they're not gone to me, but they're gone to him. In spite of your past, press on. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from going on for Jesus? It's not God, and it's certainly not His Word, but His Word tells us to leave our past. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. That's the wonderful promises of God. So write that in your book. Write that in your heart. Let your past stay in the past and keep following the Lord. Amen. Hannah did this. As Elkanah did this. And you know what I see in their lives as we finish chapter 1 and make our way into chapter 2? They have a new song. They have a new season. And with their new season comes a new season in Israel. Israel's about to get a great shake-up. And sin's about to get a core kick. And righteousness is about to take control again of the land. And God's people are about to rise up. And all the work of the enemy is about to fall to the ground. Because that's what the Lord does through His church. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the team to come because if could just go on. You know what I am preaching? just keeps our lips and never knows when to wise up. So team, please come. I want to pray for you today, church. I want to pray that your song can be heard again today if that's needed for you. Amen. Because there is a song spoken over you. In fact, in Sephaniah, we're told that God himself sings over his church, over his people. It's a lovely truth. Maybe your life has been a while from somebody showed love to you or sang over you. The Lord's singing over you, but you have a song that's within you, and that song needs to come out of you. 
Amen. Father, we thank you, God, for your word this morning to us, God. And Lord, as we've considered, Father, some truths from Hannah's life, Lord, how she was a woman of her word, Lord, how her husband, God, who allowed himself to become cold, God, he, he began to build his life again, and he established it, Father, in your word. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, for the man or woman who God seeks after you, Lord, who allows you into their life, that, Lord, even though there's, there's past mistakes, Lord, even though we can allow ourselves to be entangled, Lord, you just cut through all the nonsense, God. Lord, all that would seek to hold us down. And Lord, you just cut it with your word. And you speak freedom over your church. Lord, I speak that over each person this morning in the authority of your word and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, over your church this morning, freedom, God, that the Holy Spirit, that sword, that, that sword would cut through, God, all that would seek to bind us this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, that, that that song that you have given us, God, would begin to rise up within us. That, Lord, we would even find ourselves driving home, God, whether it be singing or, 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 or whistling, Lord, or, or, or Lord, whatever it would be, that we would be found, that, Lord, realizing that that song is beginning to rise up from us in us again because it's of you, God. Lord, there's many distractions, God, in this world, and it can take our song and can make it silent. But, Lord, you never quit singing over your church. Lord, you're proud of your church. You're coming back for your church. And you have made your church, your bride, beautiful, God. Lord, we were once stood marred with sin, God. But you have clothed us, Lord, with them wedding garments. God, we thank you, Lord, that on your return, Lord, and not until that will we grasp the fullness of that righteousness. Lord, we will not fully grasp salvation until we receive it in full. But, Lord, as, as we each grapple with it now in these days, and Lord, we seek to live for you and, and live in this world, God, and make a difference. Lord, we thank the Lord you have given us for each season of our life and you saw. So Lord, I speak that over our, our lives this morning, that Lord, that the season that we're in, God, that the song, your song, will begin to rise up over us. Lord, for that person this morning that feels absolutely forgotten, God, would you write this in their heart, God, may they wake up each morning for the rest of their life with these words, you are known by God you are known by God. For I pray that that would be, God, their, their morning thought, God, and as soon as they think of you, that they would know that they're not forgotten, God, but they're known by you. And Lord, we thank you that, Father, even in every season, whether we find ourselves walking with you or walking away from you, God, that, Lord, there's, there's always that open door, that, that invite to your church to come home. What a, what a, what a good father you are. Father, we know that it's out of our worship for you comes our service. Lord, if our worship isn't right, Lord, our service would be all wrong. And Lord, I pray that we would become worshippers here again this morning. In Jesus' name, Lord, not surfers. Not people that are just doing, Lord, to, Lord, but, but Lord, worshippers. Because when we become worshippers, Lord, we become a mighty instrument in your hand. And Lord, everything that we would do will be surface, God. And it'll not be we things or things that we've allocated, but Lord, it'll be everything that we do become servers. Lord, out of our worship comes servitude. So Lord, I pray that, Lord, as we each make our way home, perhaps, that to you, God, that, that Lord, that worship would become to rise up. That song, God, would begin to rise up, and we would begin to worship you, God, again afresh. And Lord, with, with our past gone, and, and Lord, the whiteness of, of, your, of, your, of your cloak around us, God, where our sins is washed, Lord, that we would begin to, to worship, 
you again the way we did. Lord, perhaps the, the most challenging thing as, as a nation, God, is the worry, God, of our children and their souls, God. And it's not by coincidence today that, Lord, we see an all-out assault on the minds of our children, Lord, from an ungodly agenda. Because your word says, train up a child when it's young and when it's older. And the enemy knows your word, God. It knows that, Father, if it gets in there, Lord, it can, it can so destroy the mind, Lord, of, of, our, of, our, of our nation, God, of a generation. That, that Father, becomes so corrupted, God, that even when they're older, God, you'll not be able to talk to them. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, over each nation, over each generation, over each school board and, and headmaster and mistress, Lord, and all those people in places of authority, for every Sunday school teacher and, and those who would seek to put their hand to the word here and every mother and every father and auntie, auntie Lord, and uncle would seek to teach the young generation your word that, that, Father, you would, Lord, season us with an anointing for this, such a time as this. Lord, we would find ourselves just talking and teaching the wee stories of the Bible. But we would tell them of your great victories, God. And we would warn them, Lord, that when your people turned away from you, Lord, nothing but defeat and brokenness was their portion. But when they turned back to you, Lord, victory was our cry. And, and Lord, Lord, I pray you would help us, God, in this season. Lord, to train up our children in the things of God. Amen. And, and Lord, one of the biggest things that you would help us with this morning, let our past be the past. In Jesus' name. Lord, we leave our past. We prepare to come around your table this morning. There's no better place, church, than the Lord's table to take our past and throw it there. It's finished, these cries. It's, it's finished, he said. Every sin that was ever committed, even some of them sins that we can't even think of for disgust, Christ died for them. He died for the sins of the world. He died for your sin. And that's the place that we can leave our past. And the words of the man of God to Israel, forget your past. Leave your guilt. Rise up and continue following the Lord your God. And he will prosper you. Amen.